NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Hey everybody, it's Brian and it's August and I'm excited to be back. We took a couple weeks off from The Right Time, which is our new national writing project, uh, uh, writing project radio show podcast slash YouTube sensation that we've been doing in collaboration with Penguin Random House. And I'm very excited to once again be here with Tanya Baker, who's out in Berkeley. Um, and she is the director of national programs. Tanya, we've taken a few weeks off. How have you been? Brian, I've missed you. I was so excited to see your face today, and especially knowing that we were going to get to talk to Candace and Sharonica. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Um, I want to thank Penguin Random House for putting Candace's book in our hands. And as you know, Brian, we were so excited that after we read the book, the first thing we said is, we know who would be the perfect interviewer, Sharonica. Sharonica! We agreed, and we knew immediately who would be great for this book. So very, very excited to kick off our back to school edition of The Right Time with Sharonica Nelson interviewing Candace Ilo and about her debut novel. So we're also going to share a debut novel. It's so exciting. Awesome. Um, I would like to tell everybody about Candace. I think there she is. Um, Candace is a first generation Nigerian American writer teaching artist and youth educator. She's performed her work around the country, most notably at the New Yorican Poets Cafe in New York City, the Women in Poetry and Hip Hop Celebration at the Reginald F. Lewis Museum in Baltimore, where she performed as Nikki Giovanni, oh my goodness. And as part of the Africa in Motion Performing Arts Series at the National Museum of African American Art in Washington, DC. She's a graduate of Howard University, holds an MFA in writing from Lesley University, and her work has earned her fellowships from Lambda Literary and Vona, among others. Everybody Looking is her first novel. And her website is at www.becomeher.com, and I'm super excited. I read this book a few months ago and couldn't wait to get it on the show and start teaching it, which I've already started doing in workshops. And I love this book and I'm excited to have her here today with my friend, my buddy, my colleague from Alabama, Sharonica Nelson. She's coming from Birmingham in the Red Mountain. Yeah, let me get my tongue on today. God, it's been a couple of weeks, Tanya, I can't talk. See, Brian, you're the out of practice. Red Mountain Writing Project in Alabama. She's a secondary literacy support specialist and college adjunct instructor of literature. She was the 2019 recipient of the Alabama Advancement of Literacy Award. She has written blogs for NCTE, published peer-reviewed articles for the New Teacher Advocate, published peer-reviewed articles on the experience of teaching poetry, and was featured in the book, Continuing the Journey, Becoming a Better Teacher of Literature and Informational Text. She also is a former, former excuse me, state coordinator of NCTEs, and guess whose website just got stuck? Um, mine, but I got it to go down, and program to recognize excellence in student literary magazine. Whoosh. I'm super excited too, because Sharonica has a new book of poetry, Unapologetic, that is out this fall, and listeners can learn about her more at SharonicaNelson.com. I'm going to hand it over, because I'm tongue-tied today, to Sharonica, who's going to start us with a writing prompt. How are you doing, Sharonica? 
I am doing well. I want to say thank you so much to you and Tanya and Penguin and the National Writing Project for this opportunity. I am beyond excited. I'm trying to contain myself because I've also been stalking Candace on social media too. So I feel like I really know her. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit of fangirl thing going on over here, but let's jump right in. Um, so the writing prompt for today is, there is an old adage that goes, we can't always choose the music life plays for us, but we can choose how we dance to it. At the conclusion of the novel, Ada literally chooses dance after her dance instructor urged that a lot of time the magic happens on the dance floor when we least expect it, when we stop doing steps, let go, and dance. And so I want us to write about this. Given the current pandemic, how have you chosen to metaphorically dance through, um, through life in this trying time? So just take about three minutes and write um, whatever comes to your heart, whatever comes to your mind. At the timer, here we go. One more minute.
I guess when you're in a good place to stop. I think we've lost Sharonica. I think she's. We, we, we did. I've lost Sharonica. She said something about uh, the weather in Alabama was windy mm. and rainy today, and she was kind of nervous, but she got you. I don't know where she went. So, anyway, Tanya, we, what, have you been, what have you been doing to cope? I, um, I have maybe already talked to you about this because it was a very surprising joy in my uh, shelter in place life to have become really intrigued with birds. So I have spent most of my life, I, maybe I watched the movie, The Birds Too Young, but spent most of my life really afraid of birds. And like, I just don't like them. But this spring when I started staying home and working in the same um, window, like in my kitchen where I usually am, it's too sunny there today, but um, I noticed all these birds outside my window and it happened to be spring and many of them had uh, babies in the nest. And I suddenly became very like interested and enamored of them. And so um, we have crows and then we had some, oh, what are they called? These birds that come in a flock and we have this pyracantha tree which has these orange berries and the birds flock all at once, all wherever they go and it'll like eat up all the pyracantha berries and apparently they get really drunk uh, on pyracantha and then they like <laughs> stumble off and they'll just come and devour them and then leave and it's sort of this amazing crazy thing and um hello yeah you all i am so sorry my, my <laughs> internet just went out like it just literally just went out and i was like <laughs> I was trying to text Brian and get back on and put in the password. So I, I apologize. I'm well, so sorry. Good. I don't know. It was know perfect timing. We were just. It gave just me time to talk about the birds outside my window. Yeah, sure. We you know, all of us, all of us have coping strategies during these crazy times. And she, Tandy was talking about birds. And then you were talking about how do you get back online from Alabama to interview the incredible Candace and her new book, Everybody Looking. So we're going to pass it over for the interview portion. Now we're going to go off screen and allow you to ask okay. the questions that you prepared today. We look forward to it. Absolutely. Okay, so Candice, I would like for you to just tell us a little bit about the book right now, just about the character, about her story, just share with us about the book for right now. Okay, so um, obviously it is a novel in verse, which, uh, <laughs> Recently, um, uh, Jason Reynolds got on me about calling it a novel in verse because it is a novel like any other novel that you would, uh, you know, you would pick up and read because you're interested in the story. And so it is, it is a novel in verse. And I mention that mainly because um, it is a story that I had to figure out a way to tell in some way that would just really um, encapsulate the fact that I couldn't just like tell the story straight through like beginning, middle to end. And so right. basically uh, the story is a story of a first generation Nigerian American girl who um, was raised super religious and um, but has like, you know, dysfunction in her family um, in a lot of ways. So there's just being raised in a really, really strict household, as well as having a parent that is absent. 
um, and navigating these two these two very different worlds. So navigating um, being raised in a really strict household, as well as having a mother that um, has has problems, and um, just this this excitement around going to college, getting away to college, and thinking like your whole life's just going to be amazing. It's going to be different. You're going to just go out and do these big things in the world and showing up to campus and realizing like, you know, who I am and what I've experienced is, has followed me, right? So it's followed me to this new place. I'm still the same person that I was before um, I got to this, this, this like this, this new world, this campus, this, this whole new experience for me. I'm the same person. Everything that um, I thought that I was going to leave behind me and that was just going to disappear because I was in college does not disappear, right? So it's a story of a, a college freshman who's trying to leave childhood and these memories and traumas behind and realizing like, no, I'm, I'm going to have to face that and face the fact that I am a different person than what I've been told I'm supposed to be my whole life. Thank you so much for that um, lovely response. Um, I mean, but because it just really encapsulates the book. Um, I was just really, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, reading this whole tale of leaving home and going to college. And I share the same sentiments, you know, because you're right. You do think that, you know, you have this one idea of what um, college is going to be like and who you could even become. And then sometimes it, it just, it didn't turn out that way. You know, you um, end up meeting new people and um, sometimes we learn to appreciate who, who we really are um, as, a, as a part of meeting those other people that come from different backgrounds. And, you know, so everybody has a different experience, but hers, um, the main character, um, Ada, is that how you pronounce her name? Ada so or it, is it Ada? Yeah, so it's pronounced Ada. Okay. Like it's it's really hard to pronounce correctly without the Igbo accent, um, okay. but it's it's Ada. Okay, okay, but yeah. So I just enjoyed reading um, her story and definitely saw a lot of myself um, through through the story. And so I'm just gonna go ahead and move on to the next uh, question. And now you make me nervous to ask this question because of what you said that <laughs> that Jason Reynolds said. Because mm -hmm. the question is, why did you decide to write um, the book as a novel in verse? But I'm I'm scared now, so reword I mean, it whatever way it makes you feel. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, it's okay. Like it is a novel in verse. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, I I started to answer that in the last question a little bit, but it's it's situated as a novel in verse because my background is in poetry and that is how the story came to me. So the story came to me in shorter lines and rhythm. And uh -huh. so it was really important for me to tell the story in the way that it was coming to me rather than the way that I've seen a lot of novels written, which is in prose. Um, right. And also, like I said before, is that I, I really wanted the story to not be told linear. So I wanted to go back and forth between present day main character and who she was as a child and so that the reader could make connections. And mm -hmm. so in order for me to do that kind of in a way that made sense and that was enjoyable for the reader and not too 
confusing. Um, verse just seemed very natural. Like that was, mm -hmm. that's the way that I would like to see the words on the page. I think you did a su superb job in doing that because like you, like you mentioned, you know, you don't want to confuse the reader, but it's just so action packed and so few words that it was really easy to follow. And um, for me, it was even very emotional. And so I found myself having this emotional connection um, to the book and to the things that she was going through. And um, I like how you start off with her graduation, which is a huge point, you know, in many of our lives, that high school graduation. And then you immediately meet her mom and, you know, just all those issues. I, I won't tell the story. I'll let you, you know, kind of share what I you want to share. I was, about, I was about to warn. I was like, you, you might, you might be giving it away. You might be Okay. I don't want to give it away. That's why I was like, Shh, let me not say too much, but <laughs> I do want to just put it out there that, I mean, it really is really gripping from the beginning. You know, start off with this huge milestone and it just kind of takes off from there. And so, like I said, it really resonated with me and um, just just very emotional, um, but, but beautifully written. And I want to ask you, um, if it's okay, if you didn't have anything else to add to that question, I'm going to move on to the next one. Um, and I would like to know, this is something I've been thinking and thinking and thinking about. And I haven't been able, I haven't been able to uh, just kind of settle myself in this. So I, I need an answer. Okay. What is the significance of the title? Were there any other titles that you considered? And if so, what were they or some of those? And how did you settle on this one? So everybody looking, that's the title. How did you settle right. on it? Were, were there others? Yeah, talk us through that. So that was a really interesting process because this was not the title it was supposed to be up until up until like the end of last year, I think. Either the end of last year or the beginning of this year, I can't remember. But mm -hmm. it was supposed to be uh, her name. The title of the book was supposed to be her name. And I decided to change it at the last minute because I knew that I was going to get frustrated with the fact that most people were not going to pronounce it correctly. So I, um, I, you know, I originally, like when I came up with this story idea, I just, in my head, I saw the book being named Ada because that's what the book is about. The book is about what that word means, which means to be um, the first daughter, literally in the Igbo language, to be the first daughter and to have all of these responsibilities. And so I didn't really think too much about that title. And then when I decided I needed to change it, I went through a whole process where I read through the book again, pulled out a whole bunch of lines that I really liked that I thought would sound like titles. And it was, it was just like, kind of like, what you go through when you're writing a book. I had several like rounds and drafts of things that sounded like titles that would work. And um, I landed on everybody looking because also just like the original title, um, it had a very, uh, what do I wanna say about it? It, it just, it, it, it points directly to the heart of the story, which is, being seen like everybody really um seeing you for who you really are versus um who you were raised to be who you were taught to be how you're supposed to be 
Um, and also it's about the gaze, like several gazes that we have throughout our lives. Like um, in particular, this story is, is, is touching a lot on like the male gaze as well as the religious gaze. Um, and a lot of these gazes that um, as children, we're taught not to question, we're taught to accept, um, and we're taught a lot of standards about who we're supposed to be based on who's looking at us and who's watching us. Um, and so there were some other titles that were competing with this. Um, but yeah, I kept thinking about like, this is about being watched and being seen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and what those two things, the difference between those two things. Absolutely. Um, I love that. And like I said, I, I had kind of gone back and forth in my mind several times trying to figure out, you know, exactly what you were getting at. I guess that's all readers do. Like, well, what does she mean? Well, she could have meant it this way or she could have meant it that way. So I've been having this like tug of war <laughs> concerning <laughs> the, the title. But um, I love it, though. I love everybody looking. Um, it makes you want to read the book, too, which is also the purpose of a title um, as well. You know, but it kind of grabs your attention and like, what exactly could this be about? Right, so right. Um, I'm happy that you settled on that one. Um, and I think it, it really works. Not that you needed my opinion on that or anything, but I think <laughs> <laughs> we all appreciate feedback. Thank you. Right. Okay. I'm going to go on to the next question. So we've talked a little bit about the title. Now I want to know, what was your process of writing this novel and ensuring the flow between the chapters? So you kind of mentioned why you chose a novel in verse and how you kind of went back and forth. But can you go a little bit um, deeper into how did you make sure that it flowed? What was, more, what was that process? So the, this process, I mean, I, there were several times that I thought that I was done writing this book. And then, mm. like, you know, my writing friends were like, mm, but it's missing this. And oh. then my agent was like, mm, we need to work on this for a while. And then after that, it was my editor, mm, it's still missing, da 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 da. -da. And so there were many iterations of how this flowed um, and lots of kind of moving things around, sort of like a puzzle. And so honestly, it's um, figuring how, I guess figuring out how I wanted it to flow had a lot to do with how it sounded, right? So mm -hmm. I had, um, well, two things, how it sounded as well as the actual connections that I was trying to make in the story. And mm -hmm. so similar to like how our memories work and um, also how trauma often works is how like, you know, you have an experience and then your brain pulls up a memory that reminds you that, you know, that you're reminded of suddenly. And so like, you know, you smell, you smell a fragrance and it reminds you of your grandma or um, you walk down a certain block and it reminds you of an old neighborhood that you used to live in. And so I allowed my brain to kind of do that as I was working on the story. And then I also, as someone who has a background in poetry, I thought about how it sounded like how it felt rhythm rhythmically just mm -hmm. like how you know things kind of progress in a song uh, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't just worried about the story itself and the connections but i was also thinking about like 
if I was listening to this, how, you know, what, what would it sound like? What would the texture be like? How would it make me feel? And so I'm thinking about being evocative with the sound, but I'm also thinking about like, what does our brain really do when we're having life experiences? And like, how can I tell this story to mirror that? Well, I think you did that well, because for me, I keep, I know I keep saying that I found myself having this emotional connection, but I mean, I'm, I'm being honest. There's no better way to explain it, but, but that, like, there were certain points where I kind of teared up and, you know, just with emotion, just a lot of emotion. But again, it was so powerful because you did not use a lot, whole lot of words. And I was like, how is she doing this? Why am I feeling this way? And why, <laughs> isn't this a YA book? I'm old. Why am I feeling this way? <laughs> YA <laughs> is for everybody. Right. <laughs> Literally. It is. And it's just so, so, um, well written um you you definitely um capture like you said those feelings and experiences and again just in so few words i think it's an art to it um and i think honestly a lot of people don't have that but you really showcase that in the book and um i just think about it in terms of teachers when we go even if, if i were to go and teach this to a class how so many of those pieces can be used as an example um really an exemplar of how to you know capture so many emotions um concisely you know and to um just really i guess not really teach the kids how to go there emotionally but i think that is it how do you go there in so few words how do i get people to to feel what i'm feeling through my words yeah and you did that you did that I'm glad to hear that because that's that's definitely what I wanted and I definitely was thinking a lot about how you know the experiences I had with the students I taught and how they their patience was short but they also like if you were to if you were to put together the right words mm -hmm. and ask the right question um, you could possibly get a student to have an emotional experience enough to respond. Mm -hmm. So, and I like what you just said, you know, ask the right question. Yeah. Because I think that is so powerful. Um, questions make us think. And, it, and like you said, if you ask the right one, I think the kids, even us, adults, will find the right words to say if the right question is asked. That's, I like that. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I need a pen. I need to take notes because I'm learning some stuff from you. <laughs> Where's my pen? <laughs> Wait, remember this is this is we're just having a conversation you know i'm learning stuff too okay um i'm going to move on and it is so hard because i really want to give an example of what i'm saying in the of what of what i'm referring to in the book but i know that's a no-no because it has not come out but i have like all these passages like in there and there and there and she did this there and this piece and that passage it was just so beautiful um so beautifully written. All right, I'm going to go to the next question. Um, as mentioned, um, dance, there's a dance among words to me, in my opinion, between all the verses and even the chapters. Um, and you're a master at capturing moments as we've already kind of, kind of fleshed that out. Um, what advice would you give to 
readers and writers as they go to experience um, your book, but then also if they want to try and, and capture experiences the way that you did. So you kind of alluded to it, but I know you're, I think you are a teacher, right? Don't you teach as well? So yeah, I taught for 10 years, but last year was my last year. Okay. For a while, okay. for, for, for now. Okay. So what, what types of strategies? I know teachers, we love strategies, right? And you mentioned asking the right question. Mm -hmm. But are there some other things that teachers could do or utilize to help kids be able to write um, in, in the manner that you did? Like I said, you just told the story so well in so few words. And I'm, I, I think teachers would want to know if there were any strategies, if anything came to mind. Um, again, we mentioned asking the right question, but is there anything else? So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, uh, I had, I talked about this with someone recently and I don't feel, I don't, I feel like there's uh, very little that you can get, um, a writer like of a young age to do like there's you can't get them to do a lot without them feeling safe mm. and so I guess it's you know like my advice would depend on who I'm giving it to but I feel like um, as far as teachers are concerned mm -hmm. the best writing that you're you're gonna get in your classroom is when kids start to feel like they can let their hair down around you. Mm -hmm. And once they start to feel like they can get comfortable and that they are safe and um, what they share will not be used against them. Right. I think that there is a lot of creativity that just kind of floats to the surface. Um, mm -hmm. Once you start to feel like, Hey, you know, my story is my story. And if I, focus on what happened and I'm honest about what I observed and what I felt, um, that is enough on the page. Like that, like life is really, really, really interesting all on its own. And mm -hmm. so I don't think you have to, yeah, you don't need super huge magic tricks to get kids to write amazing things. Right. What you need is for, to work on you being a safer place for them to, mm. to be mm -hmm. um, and a safer person to be around. That mm -hmm. way they'll be honest. And that way mm -hmm. there's just like all these, all these limitations that they might've come into school with and that they think um, they need to keep while they're in school grounds. Like if we can, yeah, if those things can somehow be removed by feeling safe, like a whole bunch mm -hmm. of things just happen. Um, when it comes to kids being storytellers. And so I think in general, um, getting comfortable with ourselves and, and setting up the environment and the spaces for ourselves to feel safe enough to just tell the story, like tell the story as it is. Right. I agree with you. Um, and I'm so happy you brought that up because sometimes we can get so focused on um, a strategy or you know the best way to teach or best practices and all of all of those things you know and the other jargon that us teachers like to use but I do agree with you sometimes it's not even um, 
all the way about that. I think those are great tools, but I, I, I share the same sentiments with you that when we become a safer place, you know, when, when kids know that it is okay to, to spill your emotions, you know, out on the page in my classroom, and then there will be no judgment. So I think you're right. And thank you for reminding us of that. Um, yeah, I can appreciate that. I yeah, appreciate I think, um, and, I, and I, I just wanted to add, it's very similar to like um, a writing, pro a general writing process, right? It's best uh -huh. to, to get yourself as a writer, or if you're working with a writer, to get them to say more than less, so you have more to work mm. with. And okay. so I've noticed kids just start to just talk a whole lot around me once they realize they're not going to get in trouble. And once they realize like I'm interested in what they have to say. And so yeah. there's way more, it's like, there's more to, to, to work with on a creativity level. And then you're just working with a student to reel it back in. Like that's just revision. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you have everything here. You have all the things here to make something really, really um, compelling. Now we just have to figure out what we can cut out, what, what we don't need, and, and your story will be right there. I like, I really like hearing about your experiences teaching. Um, if you don't mind, can you think of, and if so, can you share like some of your, or one of your fondest memories of teaching um, writing? Mm. Be because I know you said you taught for 10 years and you mm -hmm. kind of stayed away, so. Did you think of anything? One of your fondest memories teaching writing? Um, I feel like a lot of my memories, my, my favorite memories are like in the in-between of the writing, things uh, that have happened because uh -huh. of the writing. But um, I guess, I mean, all of my favorite memories are how a lot of kids have responded when I've given them a book specifically for them. Mm -hmm. And they realize like, oh, I see why you gave me that book. Ah. And so there was, um, in particular, I had a student maybe three or four years ago who routinely got suspended for fighting. Mm -hmm. And I got, we, so he routinely got suspended for fighting. Like he was known for it around the school. It was just kind of expected of him. And so uh, I don't know how I, I guess I found out about that when we were doing a free write one day and he told the story of a fight that he had and towards the end of the free write he kind of described how fighting made him feel and mm -hmm. so i had developed this kind of thing that we did every year um like i had a creative writing a creative uh nonfiction class that was the school magazine and so every year i created this specific issue where they had to tell a story of a defining moment and it could be anything, like anything that happened in their life that changed them, that made them feel like they're never gonna be the same again. And mm -hmm. I added one detail, which was it could be told anonymously. So it became our anonymous issue. And this kid decided that he was going to write a story about a, a really epic fight that he had. Mm -hmm. And he goes into like, like very, very um, intense detail surrounding how fighting makes him feel, how he feels afterwards, where he learned it from, all of that. And um, after I read his essay, 
I came across this book that I also like, I can't remember what the book was. I wish I could remember it, but I gave it to him to read because he was done with his essay and he needed something to do while everybody else finished the assignment. Uh Um, And so I give him the book. He finished, I think he gets like halfway through it. And I guess he comes back to me one day at the end of class and tells me he knows exactly why I gave him the book. And he, you know, he was like, the main character reminds me a lot of me. And that was like, one of my, I just, I feel like it was one of my favorite writing memories because this is a kid who at the beginning of the year just always cracked jokes all day. And he always said that he wasn't a good writer, that I shouldn't even try to get him to write anything like, and he treated everything we did like it was not serious or not important. And I felt like it was a big deal for him to take that assignment so seriously and then later on see himself another way in, a, in somebody else's story. Um, and I, you know, I haven't even thought about that for a really, really long time, but mm-hmm. it was just really significant to, yeah, it was really significant to see him making connections outside of the classroom. Like it stopped being about school. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, that's definitely a win when we can get those reluctant readers and writers to kind of show interest. I think that's powerful. So yeah, I, yes. I have some memories like that too. So I, I can I can attest to that that really feeling good. Feel like you won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Candace and Veronica, that was I got their attention. It was wonderful hearing you from a side and then Tanya texted me. She's like, I think we got to, we got to pop back in. But the sixth question that you have, Sharonica, I think is a great way for Candace Elo to celebrate her wonderful book. I want to hear her answer to your last question. Me too. I have, I want to, I want to pick up my book too. I'm excited. Tanya, open up, look at all four at once. Look at this, (laughs) Fruity Pebbles. And by I the know, way, no, doesn't it look like cover, a cereal box? Cover, de- cover design, the cover design. I wrote in my notebook. I've got this thing that says the cover. The cover is amazing. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, I love all the color. Last favorite. question. What was all right. So the last question is, what is it that you hope that the audience or readers will glean from reading this novel? I really. I've answered this before and now I'm thinking about how I I really, really, really would like them to come away from the book feeling as though um, feeling as though they have they have ownership of who they are and who they want to be. Um, whoever reads it, I just really want them to come away from it realizing like you don't have to be the thing that um, you were raised to be. You don't have to be the thing that the whole entire world is telling you you're supposed to be. Um, and that, yeah, there's, there's, I think that there, there's all this like space and opportunity for us in whatever lifetime that we have to, to figure out like, like what feels good to us and like taking a shot on that and, and, and what we desire. 
Veronica, you had a final writing prompt that we can give our teachers and our student and our parental listeners. What is that prompt? Absolutely. So first I wanna say thank you so much again, Candice, and um, to everybody watching and desiring to write, the final prompt is, everybody looking is a journey through childhood to young adulthood that ultimately tells the story of overcoming, enlightenment, coming into one's own, and ultimately ha choosing happiness. What genuinely makes you happy? What is making you happy during this time? Or what can you do to bring happiness in the near future? That's such a good prompt. I was thinking in, in my notebook, there's two Nikki Giovanni quotes that I was like looking at my, my folder and, and I was thinking that both of these are relevant to Ada in the, in the book. Deal with yourself as an individual worthy of respect and make everyone else deal with you the same way. And the other one was, you must be unintimidated by your own thoughts. And as a reader, and I, you know, I'm a white male cis reader, I connected with this character because her narration of elementary, middle, high school, college, elementary, middle, high school, college was so developmental and so authentic and so genuine and so real. I trusted her journey and I was so excited to see her dance at the end. And so I just thought that was beautiful, beautiful craft and worthy of Nikki Giovanni quotes. Yeah. Thank you. It's over to Tanya. <laughs> over to me. Uh, I love that prompt, Sharonica, so I'm going to answer it as a closing to this um, show today. The right doing, okay. the right time with Brian uh, brings me a lot of joy. And this, uh, I'm really thankful to Penguin Random House and We Need Diverse Books for, uh, for finding great authors like Candace and publishing them. And uh, it brings me great joy, Candice, to imagine you out in the world being the person you are and working with young people and that story about teaching really brought back some of my favorite memories of being in the classroom too. And the fact that your book can put this authentic person in the hands of so many kids who really need a story like this is so amazing. So thank you for being the person you clearly are in the world in so many places. Thank you for writing this book and thank you for spending an hour with us today to talk about it. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me and thank you guys for reading. I really, really, really appreciate taking the time to do this. Sharonica, thank you too for representing all the teachers in the network who need diverse books in their hands and the hands of their young people. Uh, and for reading uh, with such thoughtfulness and having such great questions for Candace. Um, I, of course, want to close uh, saying thank you to our listeners for joining us today and letting them know that uh, the right time will continue through the school year, that we have uh, some more back-to-school authors and a couple more um, debut novels to share with you. So we're very excited you should join us. Uh, find us, follow us on Twitter at National Writing project or Instagram, join our Facebook community or uh, visit nwp.org and sign up for our right now newsletter so that you'll know when you're going to have experiences like this one coming up because you wouldn't want to miss them. Thank you, everybody. NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP.